Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to, I say this month's Outside the Box, actually the second one we've done this month because of, well, we were in Edinburgh and, you know, we haven't been in a studio. This is the stuff I've seen, Glow, I've seen what there is available to see of Kathy Burke's All Women and I have seen Ashling B's This Way Up. And if anybody else has seen anything else, they are very welcome to add that to the list. I have also seen the first two parts of the Jade Goody documentary. Great. I have seen the same things that you have seen. Okay, well, I'm going to start talking about them and then you can interject as we go along because inevitably we will have the same thoughts. So it seems pointless me just talking and then you just talking. Hey, let's make it a conversation. Wow. We should do something with that and put it on stage. (laughs) And you guys should definitely come and see us do that because <laughs> they are well good fun. So let's start with Glow. Should we start with Glow? Yes. Okay, so Series 3 on Netflix uh, came out last week. I've managed to plough through it all because I bloody love Glow, even though I have to say I do have some reservations about this series. The first of which is literally the first thing that Mickey said to me about it and literally the first thing that my brother said to me about it, which is... For a series that centres around women's wrestling, it doesn't have enough wrestling in it. I miss the wrestling. I miss the wrestling for lots of reasons. And it's not because particularly I like wrestling. In the same way that I think, you know, when Friday Night Lights, which is about American football, which again, you know, I'm not overtly concerned about watching. Or something like Line of Duty, which was centred around those big interviews. And the eh tape. (laughs) When those are removed from it, it doesn't feel like it has a central point at which A, is fun, however you regard fun to be, B, brings all of the characters together in one place, and C, creates a kind of framework of this is something they're building to. And I felt like it was really absent. There are two episodes in this that have a lot of wrestling, and they are by far my favourite episodes. The one... Should we do it spoilery since we've both seen it? Okay. The one where they play each other's roles is awesome. absolutely delightful. And it is the only one that had a wrestling move in it that made me go, ooh. Oh, I, I liked her backflip in The Christmas Story. Yeah, The Christmas Story was the other one that was a crap load of fun. Another reason, I think, just to be slightly miffed about it, is one of my favourite things in Glow is watching Betty Gilpin play Liberty Bell. And there just wasn't enough of that. There was the, very little. There of wasn't Betty enough in doing any wrestling at all. But also her just being that character, her just saying those stupid inane shit that Liberty Bell says, and Betty Gilpin's ability to go from just sitting there staring into a microphone and then being like, "Oh, it's on me, is it?" And I shall be. And it's just so great that I felt that that was absent. I found that. What you're saying about the wrestling and how it brings all the characters together is is really true, but perhaps there wasn't as much wrestling in it because the the characters are falling apart. Well, that's the theme, isn't it? It is, and also that that they are basically doing the same show every night. So you know they have a touch of the ennui about doing their show, but you've got to be really careful that the touch of boredom doesn't then transfer to the audience because there are bits of which. Once you hear, um, and Alison Bree's character Ruth is quite the worst offender in this, 
once you hear women moaning about how like it's not really going anywhere, you start to feel like, oh, wait a minute, is this series not really going anywhere either? Are we in a holding pattern for something else to happen? While we're talking about Ruth, she's a tricky character to like from the start because she is this go-getter, relentless fucking terrier. Mm. But also she's she's made some mistakes that we're, we're, we're sort of invited to judge her for or to makes her problematic. But then the fact is she wins you round. She is the one who holds Glow together, who pushes it forward in a lot of the first few seasons. But this one, I just found she was very whingy. Yep. She was very down. She's just really dull. And there's the whole thing about her going for an acting job. And, spoiler, she doesn't get it because she's not memorable. And I'm like, it's like Glow has forgotten how she created Zoya. Yeah. And she is this fierce... Yeah like warrior of a woman mm-hmm. and yet they seem to have forgotten that they've created this character and they just are allowing her to be beige yeah i agree completely because the interesting thing was it was set up the two lead actresses alison brie and betty gilpin they were set up in a kind of bit of a slight rug pull in that there's something about betty gilpin and about debbie and about the fact that she had life easier than alison brie had, had it allegedly you mm-hmm. know that Ruth had had it. And because, you know, she's the icy blonde and Alison Brie is the mousy plain one. I mean, that's not the case at all, but that's very much how they pitch it, yeah. that your sympathy is, is is supposed to be with Ruth. But actually, Debbie Egan is, in the last couple of series, I think not just one of the better characters in Glow, but one of the more interesting female characters on TV at the moment. Yeah, she's cracking. Because she is... Very much not a feminist, but is inadvertently blazing a trail for women to follow, which I think is quite interesting. I say not a feminist because in series two, her reaction to Alison Brie being sexually harassed by a producer was very much, you just have to fucking put up with it because that's been her experience today. She falls a lot more into what I would describe as the Margaret Thatcher school of feminism. Yeah, I was about to say she's basically the 80s in one woman. Exactly. But, interestingly, in this series, she gets to spend some time with a character who's played by Gina Davis, who is able to be even more, you know, the forefront of feminism and not feminism, of women in business, as it were. Mm -hmm. And they have some interesting scenes together. I'll get on to the more interesting scene with Gina Davis later. But also the other thing that's bringing Ruth down in this is that her roommate, Sheila is genuinely the person that has the most progress and I think the most interesting storyline in this. It turns out to be a really good actress, which kind of shits on Ruth's ideas of who she is. Mm -hmm. And I think Gail Rankin is amazing. Her wrestling with a martini glass in her hand Oh my God, as Liza Minnelli. Yeah, genuinely, genuinely incredible. And the joy they all got from watching her, I just wish this series had had more of that. More of the joyfulness. Just on a it. Sheila note, I'm very glad that we've never invented smell-o-vision. Yeah, quite. For when she burnt that thing, that must have been right. horrific. As much as Ruth is in a cycle, and I'm going to come back to Ruth later as well, Bash is very much in a cycle. But I have to say, I thought again, and that's what happened in Series 2, actually, when they pushed him to the point almost a nervous breakdown again it was actually really moving I mean his greatest fear 
is is dying of being gay, which sounds preposterous, but in the 1980s was a very mm-hmm. likely prospect. And I think the progress they go on, which is the Christmas one, which is they're room, in a room together and he basically tells her he's gay, Debbie, because he's so drunk, not because he's telling her, but just because he's so drunk. And then they end up on stage and then she decides because he's so drunk, she's going to pitch a business idea at him. And then every so often they just shoot onto the stage and she opens the book and he just keeps saying, Mom, because <laughs> he's so drunk. I thought that was amazing. And I wish there was more of that. So let's bring us on to what I actually really didn't work for me, which is I don't like on-off relationships on television. I don't like them being dragged out. This series has two of them, which is awful. It has the burgeoning lesbian relationship between, and I say lesbian because that actually is kind of the crux of it, between Artie and Yolanda, which goes backwards and forwards to such a degree. I'm like, make your fucking minds up. Mm -hmm. And the second one is the relationship between Sam and Ruth, which if you're going to build two characters up, that they're supposed to be together, they need more chemistry in their first kiss than what happened. I was like, was that it? That was terrible. That did nothing for me. I don't know what's going on with Mark Maron and Alison Brie because they have chemistry in that kind of, I was saying to you, it's like third wife chemistry in the kind of, I don't think it's really about sex, but it's about they just like each other's company and it's quite fun. Yeah. But then... I think that's the other problem with Ruth in this season Sam's not there, and that's who she naturally spars with. She spars with Debbie, and she spars with Sam. And then she started to have that lovely relationship with Sheila. But they've removed the two main ones, which is Debbie and Sam. And actually, Sam's just not around at all. So it gives her very little to do. So we're seeing it. There is, I've, I've got to say, they encapsulate it in an absolutely cracking shot of Alison Bree just taking her makeup off, oh. which is beautiful to sushi and the banshees cities in dust as well so good i was having a lovely sing song but it is her just she's doing this humdrum routine every single day and it's weird that they then expect to throw ruth and sam back together and there be a spark yeah because it's it doesn't work and i i was different to hannah i don't usually like shipping at all i think it detracts from the much more interesting storylines but I liked their relationship and I liked that they make each other better kind of people so maybe as a third wife it would work it must be about Sam's third wife anyway yeah um, probably m- more and I really like the characters but yeah I just think they absolutely spaff that up the wall no spaff included now this brings me to my whole thing about going back to my point about this being about wrestling Alison Bray in an interview a while ago said glow isn't about wrestling it's about women's bodies now I get that because, you know, there's lots of questions here about whether or not having a baby can not just wreck your career, but can wreck your body if you do a job that works with your body. Mm-hmm. And that's a question that Cherry and Keith uh, are wrestling with quite, you know, Same. metaphorically. And that leads to the absence of Keith. And I think that, that Bash being isolated in his storyline, Keith being absent, Russell being not there, Mark Maron being absent for most of it. I, I felt like... I hate to say this, I felt like it lacked the men a bit. The the interaction between men and women that makes Glow great wasn't, yeah. wasn't quite there. However, yes, it is about women's bodies. I was absolutely gobsmacked with how much women's bodies were on display Game in this. of Glow. Wasn't it just? Yeah, there was I mean, everybody the had their tits out, um, including Gina Davis, thing? who is in her 60s. I mean, they look great. 
Is, is it a new, new thing? Yeah, to this there's series. Been, there's been flashes before, mm. but it just felt that it was noticeably more. Okay. And also the two leads, so um, Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin, we've seen a sort of side boob of Alison Brie before, but they've just sort of done that whole thing of it's not been necessary. And actually when when Alison Brie does it, it is very, very funny. And it is sort of necessary, in inverted commas, for a storyline. But... Yeah, when Betty Gilpin does it, I was just like, there's no need, there's no need for this. That sort of, to, you know, absolutely stress the point, titillation. Yeah, by contrast, there was also like about, I would say probably a good two minutes of full frontal male nudity. Um, Oh, that's true. Again, for a programme that's fundamentally quite feminist, Alison Bray is in her 30s and is being romanced by a character in his 50s. Betty Gilpin had a boyfriend who was in his 50s in this series as well, uh, played by Toby Huss, which is very exciting. Toby Huss, if you don't know, is both Stumpy in Carnival and the voice of Cotton Hill in King of the Hill. And great, but that character basically, if if he wasn't played by Toby Huss, I don't know who he would have been. He was entirely absent, so I don't really see the point of that. I don't know. Tell me, Mick, where does it fall on the one, two, three scale? Oh, it's... Definitely the, my least favourite of the seasons so far. I, I, I watched it. I still really liked it. There's still so much to love in there. But I think seasons one and two were so powerful at the risk of sounding like an absolute wanker, but so powerful to see women doing this stuff, to see women being strong physically, mentally, emotionally, fucking up and it not being the end of something, being allowed to make these massive mistakes and work on friendships, not relationships, was a real joy. And I just... I feel like maybe the writers didn't know what to do because what you just keep showing people wrestling, are they going to get bored of that? And actually they took away the thing that kept all of these brilliant characters together and I missed it. So yeah, for me, it's definitely not anywhere near my favourite. Yeah, agreed. But if you haven't watched Glow, watch it. It's still very much worth a watch and seasons one and two are excellent and all of the actors are brilliant. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's take a break. I like saying that now. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about the other stuff we have to talk about. Jen, mm-hmm. tell us about Jade Goody. Okay, so there is a three-part documentary series on Channel 4 at the moment. I think it must be... Uh, I'm going to say maybe 10 years since she died. Maybe that's what it's in aid of. I'm not entirely sure. In aid of. Well, you know, What's that's, this in aid of? that's what why they're doing it now, I guess. But I, I, at the time of recording this, two of those three have been on TV, so I've only seen those two, and the other one will be on this week. So by the time you hear this, the third one will be available. It's basically showing her sort of rise to fame through Big Brother in the sort of first episode and in the second episode is kind of like, you know, where it all went tits up when she was back in Celebrity Big Brother with her family and the Shilpa Shetty racism row. Um, for those of you who don't know about that, everyone will know about that, won't they? Do I have to explain that? She was racist. It didn't go down well. She was a bit racist. Uh, basically, her and a bunch of people. I don't think she would have meant it in a racist way per se but it certainly did come across that way um and it was pretty awful and watching the footage back again you're like 
fuck, that's actually even worse than I remember it being. Also, you know, well done Channel 4 editors. Mm. who have to take some responsibility for that. Maybe this is their retribution. Well, it's quite interesting because I think what they're, what they're sort of doing is they're showing... You know, the perception of her that was, so basically she went into Big Brother, she was like, I'd forgotten about all of this, she was completely vilified by the press when she was in there. And then public opinion kind of turned, because there was a sort of charm about her, despite her appearing quite thick. Um, I would say, do do you mean in the first time that she went in? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, and then public opinion went the other way, and people started to sort of like her, they found her quite her sort of what was originally sort of lambasted as stupidity is kind of like endearing or whatever sweetly naive exactly Mm. innocent if you will she was only 20 at the time as well which you forget and then they all got behind her and she ended up coming I think she finished fourth in the end but she was kind of really the winner of that series. She sort of invented... She is basically the blueprint for the reality TV star that we see today. Yeah, She was incredibly savvy compared to like what our perception of her actually was. Yeah. Then obviously the racism stuff happened, but it's also talking a lot about her background. She's from Bermondsey in South East London, which like back in the day was a fucking shithole. And um, from a really, really, really poor family, like her mum and dad were drug addicts. Her dad died of a heroin addiction not that long before she died. But like, I think it's, I think it's really, really interesting. Actually, I think it's, yeah, I recommend it. Cool, thank you. So, another, let's call it a documentary series on Channel Four, which I have watched. I know Mick has watched. I'm not sure if you've watched it, Jen. I have, yeah. Is Kathy Burke's All Woman? On Channel 4, we've only watched the first one because that's all that's available at this time, which is the episode about beauty, which I have to say is a really good place to start. And next week's is about motherhood, I believe. This episode ended with the statement, what's so wrong with having a big old hairy fanny? And, <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's, that's basically, I could leave the review there. That's, that's all you need to know. Just watch it because Kathy Burke is just immense. I mean, we, we met her and I, I mean, her and Joe Brand on the same day. And I genuinely grew up in, uh, in a time and a place where women looked, especially women on television, looked like they had lots of makeup on and that they had had their clothes chosen for them. And suddenly there was Joe Brand and Kathy Burke. And I genuinely found them quite inspirational that it was OK to look and sound however the fuck you wanted to. And watching this, I think, in a time where so much absolute guff is said about being your authentic self, when a lot of that actually comes at a cost. Certain ideas about feminism that any decision a woman takes is intrinsically feminist, regardless of whether or not it actually affects all women, which I struggle with immensely. To actually have a woman who is genuinely authentic, genuinely 100% herself, actually looking not at what that says about her as an individual, but about how society made her and about her feelings about the rest of society, you know, actually makes me feel a bit tearful, makes me want to cuddle my television. Well done, Channel 4. I mean, I would happily just watch Cathy Burke run through her five most satisfying poos of all time. I just, <laughs> I just could watch her do anything. She's incredible. She's this really warm presence on the screen and really engaging. And I love that she's tackling something 
that she has felt outside of or has been told that she is outside of, which is beauty. And there's a gorgeous bit where the interviewer goes, do you think you're beautiful? And she goes, yeah, I'm a beautiful person. And it's like, yeah, you fucking are. And I love it. I also thought it was really interesting in what it didn't say, in that she goes and talks to Megan from Love Island, who is having her hair and makeup done and has had all this surgery and Kathy's like why have you done that you're a beautiful girl you know not why have you done it judging but like I'm interested why have you done this and she's talked through it and there's this unsaid thing Mm. just in the way they pan the camera to Kathy and they pan to Megan of if she had a time again maybe she wouldn't do it and she doesn't want this to be a role model for young girls looking at her and she says you know I didn't have to do that and there's no like ramming that message home it's enough just to see those two very different women agree on this conversation Mm. i thought it was brilliant i thought her interaction with rankin which you know he was a photographer in the 80s i don't know how much of a good guy he is yeah but she was just very candid with him and just the whole like oh you've taken shots of me where i I looked like beautiful she does she looks incredible in those shots from when what the early 90s i guess She looks like Liam Gallagher, like a a female Liam Gallagher. She looks incredible. But she's saying, you know, even then she's done tricks where she's got a collar of a jacket Mm. up and she's like, no, and now I just want a candid shot of me. And isn't it interesting that she she actually says that 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 point at which everyone universally agrees that she looked her best was actually the point at which she was the saddest in the worst place in her life that she'd ever been. And that kind of, I love that that changed how she felt about beauty Mm. and about herself and that she just said that every time someone said, oh, you look amazing, it made her angry, it made her feel shit. Why did she have to lose weight for people to to say that she looked beautiful? And as soon as she started to put the weight back on, she started to recover and feel better yeah. about herself. I think it's interesting because certainly there have been times in my life where I've not been very happy and, and like I've been really, really thin at points in my life and I've, those have only ever been times where I have been desperately, desperately sad. And so, yeah, I I kind of like, I thought that was quite interesting. All of the women I knew were like, eat a fucking sandwich. (laughs) Like, just eat a fucking sandwich. And all of the men I knew were like, you look fucking amazing. What's getting, it's like, because I'm a fucking stick insect. That's why, like, it's it's quite depressing. What also struck me was amongst all of the women that she interviewed or all of the women that she spent time with, the ones that recognised her, knew who she was, like respected her wanted to spend time with the the rapper that she spent time with was just like Kathy fucking Burke Mm. when she walked in and the rest the audience of the wrestling crowd that was like Eve wrestling excellent Kathy Burke Kathy fucking Burke was to look at those women and see that they were different or unconventional or not so so driven by such conventional ideas of what beauty was that actually demonstrates the fucking value of Kathy Burke even more than anything that we could sit and say to this now, you know, the reaction. I agree with you, although I've got to say one of my favourite interactions that she had. The wrestling was brilliant when she was spending time with the rapper. That was amazing. And just how much Kathy loved those women as well. Kathy, like we're mates. She, she's lovely. She'd call me babe and mate and I'd have a lovely time. She did it when I interviewed her. It was great. The one that I found really moving is her interaction with the 20-year-old lass who's having a boob job. And it's just, you can tell that every fibre of Kathy Burke is wanting to scream, don't do this, you don't need to do this. But just that young woman's explanation of how she's competing against herself and what she thinks she needs to be, Mm -hmm. I found, again, without 
it's so light the touch that they've used there's no sledgehammer and just her saying this is what I see and it doesn't meet what I want to be yes is enough there's one line in it isn't there which is um absolutely heartbreaking where she basically says to her like you know what if you think basically your boobs are the problem and when you have these big tits basically like you know you're gonna feel great but like what 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 if you don't feel great and she says something like I can't I can't even think about I can't even think about like what I would do and it's it's a real that that was like the standout line for me because of course because you're watching it as a viewer and you're like because it's not going to fix it it's not going to fix it you are still going to feel that inside and that you know absolutely horrific and what it says about about the society we're in now and kids now and Instagram culture and shit that we talk about all the time basically on the podcast but but one thing I would say is I really hope that men will watch that I'm sure they will I'm sure lots of men will but I really hope that men will watch the documentary series because I felt like a lot of it was not necessarily like brand new information to me like it's great she's wonderful love her obviously but topics that I feel like quite familiar with personally Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that dudes will watch it and take something away from it I think she's a good call for that though isn't she she's like she's someone that men will definitely watch as well and that is a really really great quote as is the one that Hannah mentioned but I really like the line men will fuck a ham sandwich yeah (laughs) They don't mind what happens as long as their penis is being tickled. tickled. Yeah, she's incredible. Lastly, for me, um, and I think possibly for us, uh, This Way Up, which is on Channel 4. I have seen them all because Channel 4, despite showing them week on week, has also uploaded them in their entirety to all four. Written by Ashling B. She plays a character called Anya, who is a TEFL character. teaching English as a foreign language teacher who is very clever, very funny, seemingly a lot of fun to be around, but has previously suffered what I think she calls a small nervous breakdown and been in a kind of sanctuary spa rehab type place. It's Um, not a spa, it's rehab. (laughs) And has been checked out by her sister, who is played by Sharon Horgan, and it's produced by Sharon Hawkins Merman. Uh, and it's very much in her Merman wheelhouse, which is, I think, what is now being known as a sad com. <laughs> yeah. I really, really liked it. I have to say it's really great. It's got some great supporting cast in there. Uh, Ricky Grover and Tobias Menzies both doing what they absolutely do best. How long really Ricky trippy. Grover's been Ricky Grover in for a good 106 years now, hasn't oh, he? Uh, yeah, and he gets some great lines in it. And actually, Ricky Grover essentially gets to play two characters in it. Um, yeah, he has yeah. two appearances. Same character, but you'll understand when you see it. Bias Mentors being that uh, really stiff, kind of very posh guy. Obviously, or not obviously, uh, we know this. Um, Ashlyn B and Sharon Horgan are really good friends. They have a really easy chemistry together, I think. The character of the older sister is she's just constantly worried that something's going to go wrong with her sister because you know she's suffering with her mental health and it's about the relationship with her boyfriend but also I thought Sharon Horgan has some really easy chemistry with Indira Varma who plays uh, a friend of hers that she works with when they're setting Charlotte. up Charlotte when they're setting up that conference that just that's just and she's like oh what's happened where's it gone oh like and she goes oh like you know what you're talking about that's how people talk and yeah. I would say that's the two best things about this. She's got a real ear for dialogue. Ashley B, her dialogue is incredible and she has a really likeable screen presence. There's nothing 
like sometimes when you're in this sort of like oh god it's like a touch of maudlin that you kind of dread her appearance because you know she's going through some pretty dark times but always a joy to see her on the screen i think she's brilliant i really really like this nick yep i really really loved it i'd add to that that the relationship between anya and shona i think it's very rare that a tv program nails siblings and that relationship of siblings and Hannah and I, I think Jen and I have certainly had this conversation before, that you get friends who go, oh, we're so close, we're just like sisters. And you're like, yeah, that's not how being a sibling works. It's loving and hating someone within a sentence, within yeah. a hug, within a, a, a fight or, or like a giggle together. And I love that even though it is six 25-minute episodes, she takes the time to build that relationship. Like the scenes... Like, there's a scene of them in a face mask, and it's not there to do anything but to build that relationship and for you to get that these two women are sisters and they get each other and they don't get each other. Uh, I really I really enjoyed that. And I think Ashley has properly tackled the tricksy matter of mental health on various different scales. Quite a few people in it are struggling and having to warm up. But Anya's for want of a better word, journey is heartwarming and heartbreaking Ooh. at the same time. And on top of all that, it made me laugh out loud a lot. So it is a huge thumbs up from me. I thought it was excellent and I am very excited for a second series. Please, Channel 4, because I thought it was great. Okay, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, Mindhunter, which I have watched one episode of, I have to say, but then I stopped because I thought I'd end up like sitting here in the studio having not slept <laughs> if we do that. Um, plus also, yeah, all the other stuff we were talking about, Game Face. Brassic. Brassic and other things which are bound to be on. Maybe the deuce. Uh, I think it'd be too early for the deuce. All right. But, yeah. <laughs> Please do that again. That was and a... every day. Every, every <laughs> It's much. just the dailiness of it. <laughs> Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box.